and welcome back to another great and glorious Tuesday on the Canal Street Chronicles podcast. My name is Shem Hanks. I am your host on Tuesdays. I am your host on Thursdays. I get to go over some news and notes that have happened around this team and around the league. It was quite the busy start to the week as the Saints played on Monday night. There were records, there were signings, and there was a reshuffling of the playoff picture. We are going to be going into those things, but first, let's start with a big signing that happened right before the game on Monday night. So, I had the game on, buddy of mine, Saints fan, walks in, looks at it, and sees on the ticker that Janoris Jenkins had signed with the Saints. Obviously, I had known that this was going to happen because ESPN had been talking about it quite a bit. And so he exclaims, whoa, how did the Saints actually get Janoris Jenkins? I'm like, no, that was actually pretty incredible considering all of the injuries that they've had in their secondary. And getting Janoris Jenkins, he's been a solid cornerback in New York for the last couple of years. There were rumors going around that he was having some issues with Pat Shermer. Take that for what you will. We all know by now the Twitter incident where he said a slur towards a fan. Uh, He has since come out and apologized for it. I won't get too much into that, whether or not you agree that that was a negative thing or not. As for me, professionally, I work in mental health, so... It's not really a word that I like seeing thrown around at people, but Jenkins apologized and he's with the Saints now. The interesting part about Janoris Jenkins coming in is that the Saints got Eli Apple and Eli Apple has been a bit sour as of late. See what I did there? Sour, Apple, yeah, whatever, but... So far through 14 games, Eli Apple has zero interceptions and only four pass breakups. Janoris Jenkins, on the other hand, has already tallied 14 interceptions and 14 pass breakups in one less game, 13 total games. We know that the Saints already have declined Eli Apple's fifth-year option. Jenkins himself is eligible to become a free agent in this particular offseason. So it seems like it's a one-year rental, but man, that secondary, if you compare Janoris Jenkins with Marshawn Lattimore, get Von Bell healthy, have Marcus Williams as that free safety with Eli Apple potentially in the slot, oh, oh, that is a dangerous-looking secondary coming at you down the stretch. Janoris Jenkins... Pro Bowler Marcus Lattimore, we'll get more into that, together have to create one of the best cornerback combos in the NFL right now, outside of maybe the Patriots and maybe Marlon Mack and Marcus Peters in Baltimore. But that's a really good pairing and an absolutely elite level signing by the Saints. We now know that the Saints tried to get in on Terrell Suggs, Sean Payton admitted as much, quoting, he said, Yes, we did. You get a player like that that can rush the passer. I think three or four teams did, and Kansas City, based on the order, was awarded. Yeah, 
So Saints were ready to bring in a big, strong 38-year-old pass rusher, most likely as a result of the Marcus Davenport injury, but weren't able to get him. Goes out to an AFC contender in Kansas City. Makes their struggling defense look more formidable going down the stretch for sure. The Saints made another move as a result of the injuries in their secondary by signing journeyman DJ Swearinger after placing reserve safety Saquon Hampton on injured reserve. A guy who I was mentioning last week is having to come in was CJ Gardner-Johnson to replace Vaughn Bell. Gardner-Johnson has a concussion and Bell is still recovering. So DJ Swearinger might have to play meaningful minutes starting right out of the gate against Tennessee. Swearinger, fortunately, has playing experience this year as he has already played for both Arizona and Oakland. So hopefully Swearinger comes in, is the type of player that we as an organization, we as a team need to fill in for the injuries that's just plaguing that secondary. That elite secondary just can't stay on the field this year. And so hopefully, you know, Von Bell gets healthy before the playoffs start. But until then, having replacement level guys like DJ Swearinger is going to be a reality that we will be living with. All right, as we now know, the Pro Bowl roster has come out. Yes, indeed, the AFC leading Baltimore Ravens headline the sheer amount of players from an organization who are going to the Pro Bowl. The Baltimore Ravens have 12 players named to the initial roster. Obviously, Lamar Jackson, who beat out Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes for the most fan votes. And then the New Orleans Saints lead all the NFC teams and second behind only Baltimore with seven players on the initial roster and Kansas City has six individuals who will be headed to Orlando, Florida. Granted, as Saints fans, we are all hopeful that the Saints will be sending no players to the Pro Bowl as they will all be preparing for the Super Bowl the following week. Until then, some things that really stood out from the list of players that came out. Just, you know, this is just kind of rapid thoughts, uh, things that just come quickly to my mind when I see the rosters, is how did Jarvis Landry manage to make it? I had heard that Larry Mead Tunsil was one of the most penalized players in the league this year, and he made it in. Darren Waller missed out. Austin Eckler didn't make it, but Mark Ingram did make it, which I was surprised about. Vaughn Miller's having one of having the worst year of his career outside of his rookie year, and yet he still made it. And I was wondering which way I was going to go between Justin Tucker and Harrison Bucker. I thought Harrison Bucker was going to be the one to make it as he was having a bit of a better season, but Justin Tucker ended up being the AFC kicker. So looking at the NFC... Obviously, Michael Thomas made it. That's a really good thing. In fact, it's an entire NFC South wide receiver group. Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin. 
One of the controversial omissions from this particular list was Ryan Ramshack did not make it in as a tackle, as three left tackles made it in in David Bakhtiari, the beer chugger himself, Tyrone Smith from the Dallas Cowboys, and Teron Armstead made it as one of our guys. Soon-to-be free agent, right guard, who might completely reset the market, Brandon Sheriff made it for Washington. The biggest omission was probably that Aaron Rodgers made it over Dak Prescott, even though Dak Prescott's having an incredible year. And Aaron Rodgers has been kind of average this year. Andrew Brees made it, even though he had some injuries pretty early on in the year. I'm, I'm surprised that he did make it because of those injuries. Obviously, coming after making breaking Peyton Manning's all-time great touchdown record, I'm glad Drew Brees actually did make it in. Give him another feather in his cap. Granted, seeing Brees and Rodgers in there and not Dak Prescott or a person like her cousins, you know, it's not great to see just because they're having a better year and have played the entire year. Cameron Jordan making it as a defensive end. I was happy to see the guy who I still have as my defensive player of the year through 15 weeks now. Shaq Barrett actually made it in through the fan voting. I wasn't sure just because he's not necessarily a well-known name, but absolutely deserving. And I think he should be defensive player of the year. I know there's a growing sentiment that a person like Stephon Gilmore should be. I disagree with that. I think Shaq Barrett's having a better year and frankly is a better story with a guy who took a bet on himself, took a one-year, $5 million contract, went to Tampa Bay, and took the league by storm this year. Granted, looking at the linebacking group, it's hard to exclude Demario Davis. Guys like Chandler Jones, Khalil Mack, Bobby Wagner, Luke Keekley, they're popular guys. Guys that have done a lot in this league, but... Ooh, yeah, I mean, I don't like to see that. I don't like to see that Demario Davis didn't make it. As I talked about earlier, Marshawn Lattimore made it. Richard Sherman, who took a bet on himself. Big play, Darius Slay made it. And Jalen Ramsey, who flipped conferences this year, made the NFC team. And special teams as well, represented by the Saints with... The best kicker in the league, Will Lutz, making his way as the NFC kicker and return specialist Deontay Harris. Solid job, Deontay. Guy who has also had some injury problems this year. Rebounds, clearly one of the best returners in the league. Dynamic speed. Look forward to seeing this guy play for the next few years. Really think that he could explode and improve even more just because how young he is, how dynamic he is. Look forward to seeing his growth as the years go on. But I think the biggest news piece that happened over the last couple of days was that Drew Brees broke Peyton Manning's record, broke Peyton Manning's touchdown record. An incredible feat, a testament to a guy who's been great for almost two decades now, there's been a lot of national debate going on about where Drew Brees is in the hierarchy of the greatest players to have played in the history of the NFL. 
any conversation with greatest players in the history of the NFL really just circles around quarterback. It's the most important position in the game. They get to touch the ball every single play as a quarterback. They get to make the decisions. The elite ones are making calls at the line of scrimmage, calling audibles, and that Drew Brees has now leapfrogged people like Manning and Brady, though Brady said that he was going to try and break Drew Brees' record. The Brees has a nice little lead now. That Brees is out in front of Tom Brady, out in front of Peyton Manning, is incredible. Do I think... If, the major knock on Drew Brees is, of course, that he's only won one Super Bowl. This year could change all that. It's the same thing that happened with Peyton Manning at the end of his career. He couldn't figure out a way to win that elusive second Super Bowl. And then when he finally did, it really reset a lot of his legacy. Well, And that's the same thing that goes for a person like John Elway. Goes year after year without make without winning a Super Bowl, making a number of Super Bowls, and finally wins two in a row in his last two years in the NFL. A person like Dan Marino isn't really considered in that top player in history category because he didn't come out and win a Super Bowl. So whether you have Brady, Manning, Montana, Elway, Favre, Rodgers, Marino, even someone like Roethlisberger or Staubach, who won a bunch of games in their careers. Breeze is in that conversation. He is in that top 10 greatest player to have ever played the game. And that in and of itself is an incredible accomplishment and something that we should all be proud of, that we've been able to witness true greatness, true artistry of the game. Is he number one on that list? No. Is he probably in that five, six, seven conversation? Yes. And he potentially has room to move up in that conversation if he is able to win a Super Bowl this year and comes back and does it again. Just remember that Drew Brees broke Peyton Manning's touchdown record with a five-yard pass to tight end Josh Hill. That's going to for sure be a question on Jeopardy someday, is who is the guy that caught the pass? Wasn't Jared Cook, wasn't Michael Thomas, wasn't Alvin Kamara. It was indeed Josh Hill. And now looking ahead to these final two weeks, these final two weeks are what's going to decide what the seeding looks like for the playoffs. Right now, with the Niners taking a surprising loss to Atlanta, which makes me feel a lot better about the Saints' loss to Atlanta, the Seahawks move up to number one in the NFC. Green Bay comes in at number two with the other bye week, and the Saints are number three. The Niners are also 11-3, and three, but they currently would be the five seed. The Cowboys are in at number four. Minnesota is number six at 10-4, and four, and on the outside looking in needing a miracle is the LA Rams. The Eagles and the Cowboys play this weekend, and that will probably be the deciding game for the NFC East. So final two games, gotta win them, gotta win out, so that you have a chance at getting one of those two bye weeks, where you do hold a tiebreaker against the Seahawks, you do hold a tiebreaker against the Niners, but you kind of need the Packers to lose a game. 
for that tiebreaker to really take hold or just win out and hopefully everyone else just loses the game. That'd be nice. All right, so those are the news and notes and thoughts that I have for you today. Heading into week 16, I'm going to be talking about the all-important injury report heading into a game against the Tennessee Titans, a team that is playing for their playoff lives right now. It's a must-win for them. It's a must-win for the Saints if they want to stay in the conversation for that first round bye. All right, and so with that, I'll be back with you all in a couple of days. Good at. Bye.